This is the Passive Wealth Strategy Show, the show that will teach you how to build wealth with real estate without buying yourself another job. I'm your host, Taylor Lote, and today our guest is Brian Boyd. Brian is a very experienced real estate investor, and he is a tax attorney. Today, we're digging into some key tax mistakes or misconceptions that he has noticed that a lot of people have. He's made a bunch of courses about taxes and real estate, and he wrote a book about building financial independence and tax-advantaged wealth through real estate investing. And specifically, he wrote that book based on the questions that he gets all the time from new real estate investors. Today, specifically, we're talking about passive activity losses, the short-term rental loophole, if you will, quote-unquote loophole. We also talk about the heavy equipment tax deduction and how real estate investors use that to write a car purchase off on their taxes, the terms and conditions, if you will, that apply, and so much more. Real estate can be a highly tax-advantaged way to invest, but you need to know what you're doing. You need to seek professional advice. You need to understand the rules and get real guidance. Today, we're digging into a lot of key lessons that Brian has learned and has helped people learn over the years. It's a great set of knowledge in here. You're going to learn a ton. Once again, I'm your host, Taylor Lotes. I'm a real estate investor. I focus on multifamily and self-storage investing. To date, I've acquired, partnered on, or had a hand in over $250 million of commercial real estate acquisitions. If you'd like to learn more about potentially investing with us in the future, just go to investwithtaylor.com. Don't forget to subscribe and catch us here every weekday. Now, let's get with Brian. Brian, thanks so much for joining us today, coming back on the show. For our listeners out there who didn't catch your first appearance on the show, can you tell us about yourself, what you do in the real estate space, and how you work in the tax world? Great being back, Taylor. It's good to see you. Uh, it's been a while. Uh, let me tell your listeners about what I do. I'm a lawyer in uh, the Nashville, Tennessee area. I've got a master's degree in tax from Georgetown Law School. And my wife and I invest in real estate. So during the day, I'm a lawyer that is working on business deals, real estate, construction matters, and giving advice to people about tax matters. So what I've done is been able to, I've written a book to help people in their journey on real estate, but I also coach, mentor, and I create online content that can be found at uh, www.briantboyd.com. And I sell courses on tax matters and real estate matters to allow people to educate themselves on real estate investing. My wife and I currently have 22 properties spanning Tennessee and Montana. Uh, we have long-term, we have short-term, we have multifamily, we have single family. Um, but our goal, and I think a lot like your goal, is to help people achieve financial freedom. In fact, I wrote a book called Replace Your Income, A Lawyer's Guide to Finding Funding and Managing Your Real Estate Investments, and that is to help people achieve financial freedom through real estate investing. Now, I know everybody's going to say, oh, but the interest rates are so high. You know, real estate prices are so high. Maybe, but that just might be where you're looking. Go to where the deals are. And that's what I try to encourage people to do. On top of that, I try to encourage them to understand the tax ramifications of real estate. 
they are truly phenomenal. And prior to our recording right now, we were talking about those real estate tax benefits that are phenomenal. So you need to take your time, read just like anything. And yeah, I think we used the analogy earlier that, you know, a doctor is going to give you advice, but he has a lot of education and rationale for that advice. So if you're looking on TikTok or you're seeing me on Instagram, I'm giving you a small snippet of what I would encourage people to do, but there's a lot more to it. And that's what my individual coaching and mentoring is about is to ground you into a, a knowledge base of real estate and the tax and the corporate structure revolving around that. So that's what we've been up to in the last few years. Um, it looks like you're doing great. I understand you're writing a book and I'm, I'm thrilled to talk about that as well. Awesome. Well, there's so much that we can cover here in our limited time together. You were telling me that the reason you wrote your book, I don't know if this is public info, but we'll put it out there anyway. You wrote your book because you were getting a lot of the same recurring questions from your clients and people who wanted to speak with you and pay you for your time, but you didn't feel like it was a good use of your time. Wrote a book available for 20 bucks or something like that on Amazon. And I'd love to cover at least a couple of those common questions and lessons that people were asking you about that they can learn the answers to for 20 bucks instead of several hundred dollars an hour of, you know, your time or a tax advisor's time. So let's go through a few of those, you know, big ones, wherever you want to start. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, so my current hourly rate, I'm, I'm in Nashville, Tennessee, and as you know, we're we're a hopping hot market, and my my hourly rate reflects. Um, but for twenty bucks or twenty five bucks, whatever it is on Amazon, you could buy like book where I have written down all this knowledge because much like you, I get the same questions over and over again. How do I find a property? How do I finance a property? How do I hold my property? Like what legal structure do I use? You know, I don't know the difference between an S corp and an LLC, you know, tell me about the tax benefits. How do I achieve those tax benefits? And so that is what the book is about. It's about understanding real estate as an industry. And we are an industry. You're an industry. I'm in the same industry, but we understand that there are these rules that we have to adhere to. And if we don't adhere to those, we get dinged. And when I say dinged, it means the IRS comes knocking and they want their money. Well, one of the big issues that a lot of people don't understand are the passive activity loss rules. And that falls under uh, section 469 of the tax code. That's specifically for real estate. And you have to follow the rules. Now, there are exceptions to the rules, just like everything in the tax world. And I try to walk people through that and like, all right, well, you're a W-2. And I understand a lot of people that have a nine to five job traditionally cannot take the benefits of real estate investing. So how do you do it? What do you need to do to actually achieve the tax benefits. Well, funny enough, Treasury Regulation 1.469-1 capital T E 3 2 capital A 
has those exceptions for you. And there are like seven criteria within there that not any one is going to make it or break it. But if you have a few of them and you can cobble them together, you can take advantage of real estate investing and the tax benefits associated with that. But I would encourage everybody out there, talk to your accountant, talk to your CPA, talk to your lawyer, get them to walk you through it because they are complicated. Taylor, you and I, we work in this world all the time. I read tax laws all the time, tax cases all the time. It's what I do for a living. That's how I pay my mortgage. Most of the people aren't doing that on a regular basis. So you you mentioned something like, oh, it's Treasury Regulation 1.469-1T, blah, 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 blah. And they just glaze over. Don't worry about that. There are people out there that do this for you. So just go talk to them. But that's how you achieve these tax benefits. And you can sit with me and I can explain it to you for an hour, but I promise you it's much more cost efficient to buy the book or even buy one of my courses that explains all of this. And I know you're writing a book and I know you want to help explain this world to people. Um, but people have to sit down and read the books. They have to understand that, okay, I'm going to take a pen and a marker and I'm going to write through this and I'm going to read it just like it's a textbook in college. And you kind of have to do that with these books. So that's why I wrote it. I want to help people achieve financial freedom, but at the same time, like everything that's worth it out there, you're going to have to put some time into it. So it sounds like the big lesson out of the passive activity loss is that a lot of folks think that they can take these depreciation losses from their investments and write it off against their W-2 income, but that's not the case and there are exceptions to that and everything. Is that the the, the right takeaway from that particular? Right. Rate? And let, let's talk about those exceptions. So under that treasury regulation I just provided to you, um, there that's what we call the short-term rental loophole not really a loophole. It is there intentionally. The IRS put it there, or actually Ways and Means Committee put it there prior to 1986. And it's meant for hotels is what it's meant for. But everybody uses it and it's not going anywhere. Nobody's going to eliminate this code section. So it says, basically, if you spend a hundred hours a year on a short-term rental, and that hundred hours is more than anybody else that you have working for you, including housekeepers, things like that. And your property rents for an average of seven days a year. So don't go rent your property for 29 days at a time, rent for at least seven days, and that needs to be your average. You can actually take all the tax benefits from that short-term rental and apply it to your W-2 income. Now, I say that, But there are rules. You have to track your time. You have to make sure you're working with a good accountant that understands what you're doing. And again, follow the rules, follow the rules, follow the rules. The rules will help you here, but it is achievable. And a hundred hours, if you think about it, it's not a lot of time. If you spent two hours a week, 52 weeks a year, it's 104 hours. It's doable. 
completely doable. So another one I'd like to cover while we're here is the heavy equipment deduction. A friend of mine just sold a company for well over half a million dollars. And with some of his proceeds, he's also an active real estate investor. Some of his proceeds, he bought a Tesla Model X because he could write it off against his taxes, basically. And I see a lot of real estate investors doing this. You know, what are some of the nuances of that rule? Are you a proponent? Let's talk about heavy equipment. Oh, I'm I'm a huge proponent of it. It's section 168K is what it is. And that's the bonus depreciation rule. Now, let me explain this to everybody. Last year in 2022 is 100%. You could write off that vehicle 100%. In 2023, it's 80%. Next year, it's 60. Then it's 40. Then it's 20. And then it's eliminated. Then it goes away. And then we go right back to section 179, which is the depreciation rules. But right now, you can do that. And here's the criteria. That vehicle has to be used for your business. That has to be a business vehicle. For example... I drive a pickup truck. That pickup truck is what I drive for my real estate business. I put washers and dryers in the back. I put equipment in in the back. And when I have to go clean out a property, I clean out the property and throw it in the back of that truck. And that's what I use the truck for. That truck I bought in 2022 and it was written off in 2022, 100%. But... I have a personal vehicle that I use for my personal time. And there's nothing fancy about it. It's a a 1991 Land Rover Defender. Nice. And that's what I drive around and I just tool around in it. Um, But you can do that. You can write off a vehicle. It has to be over 6,000 pounds gross vehicle weight. That doesn't mean the vehicle has to weigh 6,000 pounds. It means its rating has to be 6,000 pounds. And there's a list the IRS puts out. I think it has 61 vehicles on it. So there is actually a list that you can look at and see. And the Tesla is on there. But you know what else is on there? There's a Lamborghini on there. (laughs) There is a Porsche on there. There's a Rolls Royce on there. There's a Bentley on there. There's an Audi, BMW, Mercedes, like the Mercedes G-Wagon is on that list. Now, don't go around monkeying with the IRS. You don't want to have that fight. But I promise you, if you do this right and you buy one of those vehicles, you can write off 80% of it this year. And as long as you use it for your business, it's completely legit. Absolutely legit. And that is section... 168k it's called the bonus depreciation rule so i would wager though that there are a lot of folks out there i think this is some of the subtext of what you were saying who are you know they have that vehicle vehicle for business purposes in name only a lot of them are driving it for their own purposes and kind of only somewhat rarely using it for their business so you know is that common? What's your opinion on that? Yeah, that's probably more common than it's not. Um, now remember a lot of these people that are utilizing this are builders, contractors, um, people like you and me, I've got 22 properties. So if I have to go to like, for example, if I have to evict somebody, cause I'm an attorney, I will drive that vehicle 
to that city. I would go to court, put on my attorney hat, then I'll go to the house, put on my landlord hat and start cleaning the house out after I change clothes. But <laughs> uh, the point remains is that, yeah, there's some business use, some personal use, and you can take some personal use. It's going to come off pro rata how much you can deduct. But that's why I have a personal vehicle that if I need to do something personal, I'm just going to take my personal vehicle to do it. Um, but again, it is available to you. However, y'all want to use it out there. Y'all use it. It's up to you and your accountant and your lawyer. Um, I tend not to abuse it because it is a nice benefit to have. In fact, I have a vehicle here in Tennessee and I have another vehicle at one of our properties in Montana. And so our deduction last year, because we bought both vehicles last year, we wrote off 100% of both vehicles. And it was a nice little deduction on our tax return that we just filed like last week. So it really does help. Just don't abuse it. It's out there to help you. Don't abuse it then. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. So since this is a bonus depreciation type of conversation and that's tailing off, that started from the Tax Cut and Jobs Act, I believe there've been yeah. some conversations about whether that's going to be renewed, maybe speculative, but you know, what's your opinion on that? Are we looking at maybe re-upping that bonus depreciation legislation? So that's a, that's a great question. So the the bonus depreciation was only really supposed to take effect from 2018 to 2025 when it phases out. But the Ways and Means Committee, currently controlled by the House of Representatives uh, Republican Party right now, they have offered to make it permanent and go back to the 100%. Now, the rationale for that is it actually stimulates the economy because if you buy, for example, let's say you're a builder out there and you need another work truck. Well, if anybody's bought a vehicle lately, especially a pickup truck, you can't get them for less than $50,000. So, you know, you go buy a $50,000 truck and you're going to have to pay it unless you're paying cash for it. So you finance it. So you've got the interest that you're paying on that vehicle. And currently right now, as we talked about, interest rates are pretty high. So they're, they're, they're paying that and they're paying that amount. But that $50,000 can be a deduction to them in one year, which frees up a little bit of money for them to keep building. And we all know we need housing in this country. So I think there's a good headwind uh, that is going to cede to the need for this, especially as we go into 2024, seeing how everybody is really hurting right now. You know, so many people have to rent because they can't buy. Housing prices are still high. Interest rates are higher. You know, so I think there's a good rationale to make this permanent. I think it would help reduce building costs. I also think it would help small businesses really recoup some of the expenses that they're paying for, you know, hourly employees, building materials, you know, all the things necessary to build those houses that we so desperately need right now. So I'm glad you mentioned uh, in that use case somebody financing the vehicle. That's something I hadn't thought of because I'm a cash purchase vehicle person. But for the person out there who wants to buy a truck or a piece of equipment for 
their business and they're going to take out a loan, pay a loan on it. It sounds like the 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 full value of the vehicle is a, applied to this bonus depreciation write-off. It's not kind of prorated based on how much equity you have in the vehicle or anything like that. No, no, absolutely right. It is the purchase price of the vehicle. In fact, when I gave my accountant the information, he's like, hey, I need your bill of sale. And so I turned all that over to him and he was able to pull that apart because you do pay some taxes on that, which are deductible to you. Uh, you pay some fees associated with buying a new vehicle. And, you know, if you trade a vehicle in on it, you know, that needs to be taken into consideration as well. But yeah, you can finance a vehicle and that will still qualify. In fact, it doesn't have to be a brand new vehicle. It can be a new to you vehicle. So bear that in mind, all you listeners out there, as you look at this certain deduction, it just needs to be on the list. The IRS is approved. Hmm. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. My buddy's uh model X that he bought was, was a couple of years old. So he took some yeah. of that depreciation on there. Okay. So before we go to the three questions, I ask every guest on the show, are there any other tax topics you want to talk about? And first off, I wanted to also point out that you, the tax lawyer, you have an accountant. You're not doing all that yourself. Sounds like you've concluded that the highest and best use of your time is in your real estate business, in your you know education business, things like that, rather than doing your own books and preparing your own taxes. Yeah, absolutely. In fact, this year is the first year that I've actually put on my tax return that I'm a real estate professional. Um, instead of a lawyer, because I'm spending so much more time in real estate than I am practicing law. And I don't know if that's good or bad. It's just where it is. But I've also always qualified for real estate because I work so much like in the real estate world. Um, but I don't crunch my own numbers and I don't encourage your listeners to crunch their own numbers. If I broke my leg, could I set it? Probably. But you know what's smarter? I'm going to go to a doctor. I'm going to go down the down the street to the doctor and I'm saying, hey, I think I broke my leg. Did I break my leg? Are you sure I broke my leg? Take an x-ray and then do what you need to do. I have an accountant as well. I have bookkeepers that you know see all of our stuff and they put it all together because for me, it makes more sense to either practice law or work on our real estate. And if I'm sitting down for four or five hours a day, like entering data into a spreadsheet so I can get my taxes right, it's just not worth my time. It's just not. Uh, I can pay somebody a fraction of my hourly rate to do that. And it's just, it makes sense. So I encourage people, hey, you may know how to do it, but is it really the best use of your time to do that? No, it's probably not. You need to go find your next deal. That's what you need to do. I love that. Right now, we're going to take a quick break for our sponsor. Did you know that you can use your IRA to invest in real estate? Many real estate investors, myself included, use our self-directed retirement accounts to invest our retirement in real estate. You just need a custodian that allows you to self-direct your investments. That's why we've partnered with Rocket Dollar. Rocket Dollar is a technology-enabled, self-directed IRA and solo 401k provider that puts your retirement funds in your control. 
Our listeners can open a Rocket Dollar self-directed IRA for as little as $15 per month, plus a one-time setup fee. Just go to PassiveWealthStrategy.com slash Rocket, or click the link in the show notes. They have a fantastic knowledge base and a lot of guides to help you through the process and teach you all about how self-directed retirement account investing works. Once again, just go to PassiveWealthStrategy.com slash Rocket, or click the link in the show notes. All right, Brian, I've got three questions I ask every guest on the show. Are you ready? I'm ready. Great. First one, what is your number one book recommendation? All right. So this is a little out there for people. It's called The Road to Serfdom. And I read this when I was in law school. And I, I believe it's F.H. Hayek wrote it. Yeah. Yeah. Hayek. And it's, it's a very quick read, but it, it gives you these economic principles that you should apply across everything. And it was just so revelatory to me that I was like, oh my gosh, it's so simple if you just apply these rules. And that's how we have come to look at everything from a real estate deal to buying our personal home to spending any money whatsoever. It's like, what's the highest and best use? And, you know, those economic principles that are associated with that book have really been the driver of a lot of my decisions since law school. That's the book. It's The Road to Serfdom. Interesting recommendation. Haven't heard that one in a while. Now we go to question number two. Who or what inspires you? My wife. My wife inspires me. Um, my wife grew up desperately poor. Uh, she was the girl that had the tarp over the house that whose electricity was getting cut off on a regular basis. Um, desperately poor. And she has her master's degree. She is phenomenal at her job. She is a professional in her own right. And I could not do my real estate investing without my wife. She has so many skills that I don't have. Yes, I can understand the taxes. Yes, I can understand the legal. I can understand the economics of it because that's my background. She just has a way of one, project managing. Two, she's really good with people. And I get frustrated very, very quickly with what I call stupid problems. Um, and she's not only my best friend, she's the mother to my son. And I could not do this without her. And I don't really look up to people, but that woman in there is incredible. Incredible. Love it. Number three, think about Brian at 80 years old. What advice or feedback does he have to give to Brian of today? Don't go to law school. It's like, you could have been doing this right out of college. Like, don't do, go, don't go to law school. Um, what I would late. tell, yeah, I know. It's like, we're already there. Um, what I would tell me, uh, at 80, looking back to today is look, it's all going to work out. It is. Don't, don't stress over things like interest rates. Don't stress over tenants, not paying rent. Like it's going to work out. You it's, it really is. And you're going to get to where God meant you to be. Now, does that mean I'm going to be flying like 
on my own private jet? Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. But we've done really well so far and we try to be fair with everybody. Um, but I think there are times, especially early on in my real estate investing, I was so intent on, oh, the numbers have to be exactly right. No, we can't rent to that person or, you know, just so anal about real estate investing. This really is a community. And if you treat it like a community, it will treat you well. This is not you forging ahead your own path on your own. Real estate investing is not new. We're not reinventing the wheel here. You know, it's, it's not live or die. Nobody's going to die from this. Don't take it so seriously. You need to take it serious enough, but at the end of the day, it's not going to ruin your life, but it could make your life and just chill out a little bit. Just relax, have more fun with it. It's really a fun thing to do. I love that. Well, Brian, thanks so much for joining us today. If folks want to get in touch, where can they find you? They can find me on TikTok. They can find me on Instagram. And I also have a website, www.briantboyd.com. I've just done a year of the end tax course that's available. I'm putting out a real estate tax course that is coming out real soon, probably in the next two weeks. And for your listeners only, they're going to get 20% off. And that is all caps, Taylor 20 and they get 20% off of those courses. So I encourage everybody to do your best, treat each other well, and keep investing because it's only going to help you. Great. And in the interest of full disclosure, I do not get a cut of the sales for the record. You're just giving a discount to be a nice guy. And I appreciate That's that. That's right. I am just being a nice guy. My <laughs> wife told me I, I should do that. So I'm going to do that. Great. Well, thank you once again for joining us today. To everybody out there, thank you for tuning in. If you're enjoying the show, please take a moment and leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Don't forget to subscribe and catch us here every weekday. Right now, I hope you have a great rest of your day, and we'll talk to you on the next one.